welcome to The Ralph Report with Ralph Garman. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to The Ralph Report from Monday. Ah, weekend went so fast, didn't it? It's a pleasure to be with you, though. That's the one good thing about a Monday is I get to uh, hang out with you again. Thanks so much for being here on another free Monday. That's right. We are pumping this one out to the world, giving a little taste of the Ralph Report. And maybe if they like it, they'll go to patreon.com slash the Ralph Report and subscribe to hear the rest of the week. What a weekend. It was raining here in Southern California. I know it's kind of hard to bitch when the rest of the uh, planet is getting brutal weather all over the place the east coast got beat up with snow and everybody's gone through shitty weather but uh in los angeles when it rains that's a major catastrophe so somehow we all managed to pull our heads out of our asses and survive the weekend it was a crazy weekend um a lot of stuff was going on i learned a lot this weekend about myself and about other people some of it good some of it bad but i thought i would recap it with you i thought i would cover the weekend with you, and tell you the top five things that I learned this weekend. That if I'm going to count down the top five things I learned this weekend, I do need some cheesy sound effects. So, the top five things I learned this weekend. Right, there we go. These are the top five things that I learned this weekend. Here's the first thing I learned this weekend. Now, once again, I need some cheesy sound effects. Number one. Here we go. Number one. I have the best listeners in the world. This weekend on Saturday, we did our first ever live chat. We did a live stream video chat with the three and four star generals, and it was amazing. People showed up, they watched, they asked questions. We had a blast. It was over an hour, and uh, my wife was involved, and the kid was in there, and Reggie the Wonder Dog was also on hand. So it was a blast, and I want to thank all the three and four star generals who showed up in many cases, such as in Australia, very early in the morning they got up to participate in that live stream but i think it was great and we're going to do another one later on this month uh towards the end of march so stay tuned for details on that but absolutely got a kick out of it i was so glad that we did it i'm so glad that we were able to pull it off because as you know not a big uh, technical guy and um just wanted to make sure that i got all the details right i actually was able to be live streaming and people could see me and they hear me and i could read their questions, and all those things happen. So I was thrilled that being the technical idiot that I am, we were able to pull that off. So thanks to everyone who showed up on Saturday for the live stream event. It was a blast. And speaking of not being a technical guy... Number two. Yeah, the number two thing I learned this weekend of the uh, top five things I learned this weekend. The top five things I learned this weekend. Yes, number two of the top five things I learned this weekend, was if you work for yourself and by yourself, the odds of colossal fuck-ups are increased by about 300%. It's much easier for a colossal fuck-up to happen if you are working alone than if you're working with other people. Why, you ask? Because there are uh, backstops in place. There is a safety net of working with a group of people where if you fuck something up, there's an excellent chance that someone will see that or, or catch it and stop it from happening or at least be able to correct it. But if you're an idiot and you work by yourself and for yourself, you can fuck something up and you don't know about it because you're the guy who fucked it up. What am I talking about? You'll find out later on in the show. Um, it was, it, cause, <laughs> surprise, surprise. It was a technical thing. 
Uh, look, we've been through this before. Uh, the uh, the yoga class tape, I, we had that debacle. We told you that story about how I completely screwed that up. It was unintelligible audio is what I ended up with when I was doing my first yoga class with my wife. Um, there's been many situations in this particular program where things have been all over the place, phone calls not being uh, made or recorded. This one was the uh, the most embarrassing, though, by far. Biggest fuck-up of the Ralph Report. And we'll talk about that later in the show. That was number two. Number three. Number three. Um, childhood is something that seems to last forever when it's yours and seems to go by in a heartbeat when it's someone else's. And I know that's a cliche, but there is some weird physics going on when it comes to being a kid. There is some time-space continuum that is not the same as it is for adults. And I say this because I took my daughter to the daddy-daughter dance this weekend. And we were in the car, and it was our third daddy-daughter dance at her elementary school where she goes. We did, the, uh, we did it in kindergarten, and then the first grade last year, and then second grade this year. We've done three. And we're in the car, and she says, you know, I only have four more of these left after this. <laughs> I was like, oh, dagger through the heart. Easy, kid. Slow your roll. You're killing me. But I realized that she was right, and the past three seemed like they all happened about a month apart. I mean, my kid's childhood is going at a ridiculous speed past me. And I remember being a kid, and it seemed like it lasted forever. In many ways, I feel like I'm still a kid. But I remember being in elementary, junior high, high school. It seemed like a lifetime of experiences and waiting to be old enough to do things and do the things I wanted to do, whether it was drive or have a beer or whatever. It seemed like it took eons to get out of childhood. And when I watch my own kid's childhood, she is sprinting through it. It, There's light speed going on. Some science fiction measurement of speed is happening in her life. And it makes me miserable because I adore the little kid that she is. And I will adore the adult that she is and the teen that she is in all those stages. But I want this to last as long as possible. And it just seems to be uh, completely spiraling out of my control at every turn. And I find myself, and this is going to sound nuts, but I find myself getting nostalgic for the present. I'm nostalgic for events that are happening, that I'm a part of, that are happening right in front of me. Which I know doesn't make any sense because you can only be nostalgic for things in the past. But I get misty-eyed and I start to well up and tear up when I look at her in her party dress and we're at the party because I know that I will be nostalgic about this moment somewhere down the line in the future, if that makes any sense. So I get nostalgic for what's happening right in front of me when I deal with my kid because I just love these times and these moments with her. And uh, her getting older is, it's happening at such a, a fast pace that I can barely keep up. But uh, the daughter, the daddy-daughter dance was pretty great this year. Maybe our best one yet. We had a blast and, uh, you know, my kid's not always going to want to dance with me. So it was so much fun. Number four. Yes, number four is a much more uplifting uh, discovery I made this weekend that I really, really like rye. Rye whiskey. I always thought that I, I was not a fan. 
Um, you know I love uh, the bourbons, and you know I love Jack Daniels, which, contrary to popular belief, I mean, we could do a whole break on this, is not a bourbon. There, there are certain rules that, that apply to a whiskey in order to make it a bourbon. And although Jack Daniels is a very similar kind of whiskey because it's made in Kentucky, um, excuse me, because it's made in uh, Tennessee as opposed to Kentucky, it can never actually be a bourbon. So there's a, there's a lot of rules when it comes to this kind of stuff about scotch and Irish whiskey and bourbon whiskey. But I like the browns for the most part, the brown liquors. Not a scotch fan. Isn't that strange? Don't like the scotches. Almost to a one. There's some I like more than others, but none I really love. So um, that, that's the exception. But I thought rye was just sort of on the bottom of my list. And then a friend bought me a bottle of Jack Daniels rye. Now, maybe it was the brand, because you know I'm a, a, a loyalist when it comes to Jack Daniels, but I got home from the daddy-daughter dance, feeling a little depressed, <laughs> put my kid to sleep, cracked open this new bottle of Jack Daniels rye, and they're not a sponsor or anything, I'm just telling you, I had never tried it. And it was a gift from my friend, Kate Flannery, actually, Kate Flannery, who's going to be the guest on today's show. She brought me a bottle and said, you should try this, I think you'd like it. And I cracked it open. And boy, did I like it. I liked it way too much to be drinking it by myself in the middle of the night when my wife was already asleep and my kid was also asleep. And I'm watching uh, burning through Star Trek episodes on the DVR, just swilling back Jack Daniel's rye. But it was delicious. And I got uh, hammered. So that's, uh, that, that's my weekend, drinking rye and watching Star Trek. Ah, what a drunken nerd I am. That was uh, the fourth thing I learned this week. Number five. And lastly, number five, we don't need this fucking daylight savings time thing anymore. It is an archaic, ridiculous conceit that just serves nobody at all in any way. It's garbage time. I need that hour. That hour that they take from me is vital to my survival. And the fact that they, they fuck around with my clock and they take an hour away from me, for, for what? Seriously, what is happening? What, what was the reasoning behind it? Someone told me it was so the farmers could have more daylight to plant the fields. Jesus Christ, how much time do they need to water their corn, whatever the fuck it is they're doing out there? They, can, they just get up earlier and do it in the dark or stay out late. or I don't, Whatever it is you need to do, don't punish me because farmers need more sunshine. Give them a flashlight. It's unacceptable. And, I'm, and I've had a lifetime of it. And today, this weekend, just, it just was the final straw. Just to chap-assed. Everything, everything that had gone wrong for me this weekend and then with hungover from a half, three-quarters of a bottle of rye, I just had no patience for the daylight savings time here this weekend and yes <laughs> i'm saying daylight savings time and i don't want to hear from anybody about it and those of you who know why know why i can say it freely and i'm with a, with an open heart and a big smile on my face so those were the five things that i learned this weekend the top five things i learned this weekend there we go but blow those up that might be a thing i do on mondays i felt good Get all that shit off my chest. Seriously, though, the daylight savings time thing? Come on now. You gotta be with me. It's madness. Makes no sense for anybody, right? Okay, there was a big weekend. Besides my big weekend, there was a big weekend in entertainment news. And so it's time to walk the showbiz beat. 
First off, because it's a Monday morning, we like to take a look at the box office to see what everybody went to see at the movies this week. And no surprise, number one, Black Panther came in again at number one with 44.1 million additional dollars at the box office. Crazy money for Black Panther. At number two, A Wrinkle in Time made a little over $33 million. Then Strangers. Pray at Night, the horror film, was number three. Number four was Red Sparrow, made a little over $8 million. Game Night was fifth. Peter Rabbit came in at number six. Then Death Wish, the uh, remake of that movie starring Bruce Willis, $6.6 million. The Hurricane Heist. Oh, come on, people didn't rush to go see the story of the bank being robbed under the worst hurricane ever with one super hot treasury agent who's got the code? Ugh. $3.1 million. Annihilation came in at number nine. And number 10 was Jumanji. Welcome to the jungle with uh, $2.7 million. As I mentioned, Black Panther had a great weekend again this weekend. It's having a great run just in general. Black Panther crossed the $1 billion at the global box office this weekend. Congratulations to that film. $1 billion around the world in just 26 days. That's crazy. It's only the 33rd movie ever in history to cross $1 billion, the 16th film to reach this milestone, and the fifth Marvel film to do so, joining the ranks of the Avengers, Avengers Age of Ultron, Iron Man 3, and Captain America Civil War. So congratulations to Black Panther. Well-deserved. As I've always said, it's not just a, an important film for minorities and for women. It's just a great superhero movie. That's all that matters. It's terrific. Speaking of movies, Guillermo del Toro has announced that he is divorced. Just days after his Oscars win, he has announced that he is no longer with his wife of 31 years. A lot of people, including my wife, were saying as we watched the Oscars, who is that really young, attractive blonde on his arm? Is that his wife? And I said, I don't think so. I remember his wife being unreasonably attractive in comparison to Guillermo del Toro, but I remember her being that young. I thought she was older, and uh, we were all right. His wife, Lorenza Newton, was not present at the Academy Awards. The blonde on his arm was a screenwriter named Kim Morgan, who actually wrote his upcoming project, Nightmare Alley. And uh, no confirmation whether the two are in a relationship or not, but he said, uh, she is working with me. We have a nice friendship, he explained, right? Wink, wink. Um, Guillermo del Toro's wife, by the way, also, Lorenza Newton. Beautiful, beautiful woman. Uh, This screenwriter, also very beautiful. And there's a lot of uh, uh, dumpy, chubby fanboys out there who are saying, how can, how, how can he pull all those amazing-looking g- women? Why can't I do that? You can do that if you're incredibly talented and charming and rich and successful. So just get that. Just go be that and do that then. Katy Perry killed a nun this week. That was sad. Yeah, their bare hands. That's what I heard. Uh, choked her out. No, apparently Katy Perry has been battling some nuns, but in court, I don't know if you heard this or not, but she's trying to buy a convent, an eight-acre convent, because she wants to uh, own it and live in it. I'm assuming she's going to raise the buildings and just use the property, or maybe she'll take the property and sort of revamp it into a home, but she has been trying to buy this property for some time now, and the nuns are trying to stop it. Two aging nuns were fighting the sale of the eight-acre property to Katy Perry. One of them died Friday in court. 
Sister Catherine Rose Holzman, who was 89 years old today, keeled over and died there during a court appearance. And uh, before she went into the courtroom, she told the press, To Katy Perry, please stop. It's not doing anyone any good except hurting a lot of people, she said, alongside Sister Rita Callanan. And here's the thing that I always thought was interesting about this whole story. They don't want to sell to Katy Perry. And I thought, oh, I get it because, you know, Katy Perry, I kissed a girl, devil's music, and, you know, she represents, uh, you know, Satan's playground or something. I don't know. I figured it was some religious thing, but no, apparently it's a financial deal. These two nuns who lived at the convent had already made a deal to sell the property for $15.5 million to a restaurant owner named Dana Hollister who wanted to convert the property into a hotel. So these two nuns were trying to cash in on this property. But the Archdiocese of Los Angeles blocked the sale, saying they didn't have the authority to sell the, uh, the buildings and the property because it's not theirs. It belongs to the church. So the whole thing is about money and greed, which, you know, it's, I would, as a fallen Catholic, I can kind of say that's, that's the church to me in a nutshell. But they were just trying to cash in and they were cheesed off because the Archdiocese wanted to sell the property to Katy Perry. And so uh, 89-year-old Sister Catherine, she uh, killed over there in, the, in court. Which, uh, you know, you can't be too sad about, right? Because if, you're, if you believe, then Sister Catherine's in a much better place. And she's seated at the right hand of her, our father. And, and, and that's a good thing for someone who wants to be there, right? So, I mean, how, how sad can anyone be? When a, when a nun is in heaven, which is where they say they, say they want to be all the time. But you can't get them to shut up about heaven. That's when they always say they want to go. And now she's there. So, Sister Catherine, good on you. Safe travels. Kathy Griffin is heading back on tour. I was so happy to see this. Kathy is an old friend of mine. And she, of course, got into a lot of trouble with that photograph of her holding the prop Donald Trump head covered in what looked like blood. Uh, looked like he had been decapitated. This uh, photo was taken and released, I don't know, nine, ten months ago. And her career effectively was ruined by the photo, by the outrage that people felt about the photo, the backlash against the tastelessness of the photo. And I absolutely agree. It was tasteless. It was over the line. It was um, inappropriate. And I thought it was in bad taste in many, many ways. However, I didn't feel that she should have had her livelihood taken away from her because of it, because, you know, First Amendment and all that stuff. Um, She did lose her job with CNN. They fired her as the longtime host of the New Year's Eve gig, and she couldn't get booked anywhere. She could not do her live dates, which is how she made her livelihood. So she was out of the game for a while, and it seems like she is now back in it. She was on Real Time with Bill Maher on Friday. Great appearance. And she took that opportunity to announce that she is going to do some upcoming shows at New York's Carnegie Hall. Pretty good deal. And then she's going to be in Washington, D.C., right there in Trump's backyard, as she put it, at the Kennedy Center. So she is starting to tour again. And I said this at the time, and people thought I was crazy. But by the nature of the public and their short attention span and the nature of the news cycle and how... Outrage really is temporary on so many levels in this country. People like to get fired up, but they're just as quick to forget it and, or get outraged by the next thing that comes down the pike. I said 
at the time, this could be the best thing that ever happened to her career. Uh, Life on the D-List, of course, her TV show was a, was very popular. She's had a lot of attention brought to her in a lot of different, in a more positive way. But I said, this is going to put her on the map and make her stand out in a way that maybe none of her other uh, successes have done. So we'll see what happens. But she's getting back on the road. She's making a living again, which I'm happy for. And I'm happy that uh, she's going to be out there. Because I think she's funny. And I think I know she has a fan base. And it seems like maybe people have moved on to something else now. So we'll see. Tommy Lee, we've been following this story. You know, uh, he got punched in his mouth by his 21-year-old son. The son says he was loaded and came at him, so he was punching in the mouth in self-defense. Tommy Lee said, no way, dude. It was totally uncalled for. And I mentioned that he had a restraining order that he had filed against his son. Well, now he is also prosecuting him on criminal charges. He is moving forward with a criminal complaint alleging that his son attacked him. And he uh, is okay if his son ends up getting prosecuted for assault. He said to the press that he would accept that. A source close to him said, You encourage what you tolerate, and he's not going to tolerate what Brandon did, and that's why he wants the criminal case to keep moving along. That is a shitty way to deal with your kid. I'm sorry. Uh, If the kid's got problems, then you get him help. Um, If you've got problems, then you get help. But you don't throw your kid into the legal system just because you're pissed off that you think you're still a stud, even though you're a washed-up, has-been drummer with a booze problem, allegedly. And uh, your 21-year-old son, who's now a man, was able to haul off and pop you and knock you out. And I think that's why he's pissed. It's because he got knocked out. And look, you know, you got to move over. It's the next generation. You're not the bull anymore. Even though you've got a, you know, he's got this fiance who apparently is a big Vine star. <laughs> She's a star in a medium that no longer exists. But, um, and I think he thinks he's still, you know, he's still a stud. And he got knocked on his ass by his son. And I think he's embarrassed. So he's going to move forward with the assault charges. Again, Brandon is his name. The 21-year-old son said he was in self-defense. Tommy Lee said, no, it wasn't. It was an attack. And Tommy Lee says he has witnesses to that effect Tommy says he was hanging out with his best friends Johnny Walker Jim Beam Jack Daniels and Captain Morgan so they're all expected to testify in court let's take a look at today's celebrity birthdays all these stars born on this day Monday March the 12th apparently on Friday I gave the wrong date or something I said it was uh, it was uh, March 8th instead of March 9th or something and a lot of people took some important time out of their day to let me know that I had I had uh, mis- misnamed the day. So I hope that made you all feel better, the folks who had to correct me. I think you knew what day it was, didn't you? Friday? I don't know. Maybe you get all your calendar information from me, if that's the case. I sincerely apologize. But today is Monday, March 12th, and all these stars were born on this day. Barbara Feldon from Get Smart. Oh, I had a big crush on her back in the day on that show. Would you believe it's me, 99? Great. Maxwell Smart. Uh, she's 85 years old today. Liza Minnelli is 72. James Taylor turns 70. Just yesterday morning, they let me know you were gone. Susan, the plans you made put an end to me. It's fire and rain. 70 years old. Marlon Jackson of the Jackson 5 is 61. Courtney B. Vance turns 58. Titus Welliver is a terrific actor. Deadwood, of course, 56 years old today, but he's also... Uh, an, an enormous uh, nerd and collector. 
Yeah, he collects uh, all the sideshow stuff. And I love their stuff, too. But I happened to be over there at the sideshow factory, and they showed me a video of him that the, he did for them promoting their stuff. And he's an enormous collector of their um, amazing collectibles, by the way. If you don't know uh, the sideshow stuff, you should check it out. He is 56. Aaron Eckhart of The Dark Knight, of course. Harvey Dent celebrates his 50th birthday today. And Jamie Alexander, a lot of nerd cred in this uh, birthday lineup. Jamie Alexander, of course, from the Thor films and TV's Blind Spot. She is 34 years old today. I'm Ralph Garman. I walk the showbiz beat. I got to tell you, my life is so much more entertaining now that we finally got the Ralph Report hotline up and running. Love this damn line. For those that don't know, you can go to 1-833-HI-RALPH. 1-833-HI-RALPH. And you can leave me a message that I will hear. Because as, as you know, one-man operation here. So I go through all the emails. I go through all the uh, the messages that are left for me on the hotline. And I'm, I'm loving it, quite frankly. I really enjoy it. So you can go there and leave me a message anytime, day or night. Just leave it on the voicemail there. And I, I will listen to it. And there's been some great ones. Um, you may remember last week we were talking to a young lady who was asking the age-old question of why do women like bad boys more than nice guys why do they prefer they certainly seem to like to fuck them better uh they may not marry them but they like to fuck them uh bad boys over good guys why do nice guys finish last when it comes to the ladies and i gave my opinion and now we have one of the listeners who left a message she thinks she knows as well i just heard your female listener talk about what makes women want to date jerks instead of nice guys I can't speak for everybody, but I found a way around that. I dated a lot of jerks and a few nice guys, and I understand where she's coming from, but I ended up marrying a very, very nice guy that I didn't agree with on everything. And he and I, after years of marriage, can still get into heated debates, um, really, really like making points and actual debating, not arguments, but actual citing references about articles that we both just read and disagree on. Um, and then at the end of it, because he's a nice guy, it's like, oh, okay, that was a great debate. Love you too, honey. Uh, so maybe the solution, like you said, is a nice guy who's not a pushover and has opinions of his own. It's worked really, really well for me. Hearing from a lot of the ladies on the Ralph Report hotline, uh, I think I'm, I'm saving some relationships, quite frankly. Not to pat myself on the back, but I think pretty much I'm, uh, I'm saving lives and relationships with this very, very important work I'm doing in this podcast. This young lady wants to thank me for bringing them closer together through the magic of a certain little TV show. Hey, Ralph. We love lif- listening to your show. I um, just got to thank you for making my boyfriend a bachelor fanatic. Can't wait to listen to more episodes. And I also heard from the fellows this week, uh, this gentleman had some very complimentary things to say, and I really, truly appreciate it. Hey, Ralph, it's Stephen from Las Vegas. Um, I just wanted to thank you for um, making the the, uh, podcast available every morning at around 6 a.m. I get out of the shower about that time, so I'm usually downloading your podcast while I'm pretty much naked. And... While I wait for my balls to dry, I download the Ralph Report. 
So there's that to think about. Okay. Bye. Okay. Yeah. That uh, that is the very definition of too much information. And I also wonder, as I listen to that call, why are you air drying your balls? You said you're waiting for them to dry. Just grab a towel, son. Just give them a little little once over and they'll dry right off for you. You don't need just to, just to stand there with your legs spread akimbo, just waiting for the water to drip off. You can always reach me there at one eight three three high ralph Love to hear from you. Or, of course, the old-fashioned way, you can write me a letter. Well, you know, technically, an e-letter. You can email me at ralph at theralphreport.com. I love hearing from you. And don't be surprised if I use whatever madness you send me for this show. Well, now it's time for me to talk about what I was mentioning at the top of the show, which is if you work for yourself and by yourself, the odds of committing a colossal fuck-up go up exponentially, in my opinion. It might be just that I'm a fuck-up and that's why it happened. But I think if someone had been working with me, if I had a, you know, a tech guy or something who could monitor my ineptitude, then maybe we, this could have been avoided. But I'm going to tell you the story. Uh, last week, as a matter of fact, and, and it was with one of these uh, phone messages that was left on the hotline, a listener, a female listener, brought up an excellent point saying, so far all of your celebrity interviews have been guys, have been fellas. Are you ever going to talk to a woman? Are you going to bring a woman on as your guest? And I said, yes, as a matter of fact. How apropos, because my guest... Uh, next week, meaning this week, is going to be my longtime friend, amazingly talented, funny lady, Kate Flannery, who most people know best as playing the uh, drunken, slutty Meredith Palmer from The Office for every season that show was on the air. And uh, she is a longtime friend of mine, almost 25 years of friendship. And I was looking forward to having her on. I was going to talk to her this past weekend. And then uh, she would be my celebrity guest throughout the week as I sprinkled highlights of the interview throughout the week. So Kate is very kind but very busy. She's got about an hour in her schedule she could carve out to come to the house. And she comes over here and we're going to uh, record on the fly here at my home. And we got an hour to pack in 25 years of friendship, which includes the two of us being on the road together in a show called The Real Live Brady Bunch, which was um, a very popular show that was off-Broadway. It was in Los Angeles. It was in, uh, uh, did two national tours. It was wildly successful. It was the brainchild of the Soloway sisters. That name may sound familiar if you're a transparent fan. But um, Jill and Faith Soloway came up with this idea of taking Brady Bunch episodes and performing them live on stage with adult actors playing the kids... Uh, and comic actors playing the entire cast and reproducing those episodes verbatim using the actual scripts, not changing a word, just playing it as earnestly and as straightforward as the shows themselves. And the result was hilarious stage comedy. And this was a very popular show called The Real Life Brady Bunch. And so Kate and I toured with The Real Life Brady Bunch. She played uh, Carol Brady, mom, and I played Peter Brady on the road. So that's where we met and became fast friends and have been remained so for the for all these years. So she, uh, the kindness of her heart, says she's going to come to the house. She's got about an hour, and we're going to sit down, and we're going to knock it out. And so she shows up. God bless her. She brought me a gift of a bottle of Jack Daniel's rye. And we sat down, and we started to talk about so many things. Because, first of all, we're both 
children of Philadelphia. I used to drink at her father's bar, her family bar, when I was in college. Uh, we have so many things in common on so many levels. Came, grew up in the same town. Uh, she went off to Chicago to study with um, Second City. I studied with the Acme Comedy Theater in Los Angeles, but we're both doing sketch and improv comedy. I mean, there's so much to talk about. Our time on the road in a tour bus touring around the country with Davy Jones of the Monkees playing himself in the episode of The Brady Bunch that we were performing on stage. Um, The the time after that, her work, of course, on The Office, so much to talk about. And so uh, I have this uh, digital recorder, which I, I love. It's my pride and joy. It's my new baby. And it's battery operated, which makes it so easy to use because you don't have to be near a plug. You can kind of set up where the sound is best and just turn the thing on. And she's pressed for time and we get into the interview and we're talking and we work through her youth in Philadelphia and her college years in Chicago and meeting the founders of the Annoyance Theater and working with Second City. And that's when I look down and it strikes me that the recorder is not recording. Now she's got a heart out. This is, there's nothing else we can do. And I don't know how long the recorder has not been recording. But I recognize that the batteries are dead. The, uh, the, the draw from the recorder on the batteries, is it draws pretty good power. And you need to replace them on the reg. And I fucked up and didn't put fresh batteries in. So I don't know how long we've been talking without recording anything. But I can't really take time out to worry about that and go back and listen because I'm trying to get as much as I can in the time that she has left. So I just swap out the batteries. I put new batteries in and we keep going. And I thank her so much and I apologize. And, and I said, but I'm sure I can just stitch it together. I'm sure we didn't miss that much. Probably some stuff in the middle, but don't worry. I'll make it, I'll make it all work. And uh, a big hug and promises of uh, seeing her later and she's out the door. So I go back to listen to what I've got. And I got nothing. I've got nothing but whatever we started talking about once I changed those batteries. I got nothing from Philadelphia. I have nothing from our time together on the road for a year performing the Real Live Brady Bunch. I've got no recollections of our friendship with Davy Jones of the Monkees. We're both very close to him. I've got uh, none of her working with this amazing cash he came up with back in Chicago working at the Second City, uh, Second City Theater. I got none of that. Nothing. It is the most colossal failure in the short, short history of the Ralph Report. I am a dumbass. And I've, I'm so embarrassed. And I was embarrassed to have to tell her after the fact. And it was, it was a colossal mess. Not to mention, the least of which is, uh, this week, I would like to play for you a highlight from that interview each day, like I do. But I don't have enough material. All I have... Thank God at least I changed the batteries before I started talking to her about The Office. So I do have a nice little chunk where we talk about working with Steve Carell, who she worked with before, by the way, in Chicago at Second City. So they're old friends reunited on the set of The Office. What it was like to have that show blow up, what her life was like, how it changed. I mean, she was waiting tables when she got that gig at a restaurant. And um, it it was the biggest failure of my short career here at The Ralph Report. However... It is a great little 15-minute chunk of an interview talking about The Office, and I didn't want to punish you for my mistake by not letting everyone hear that. So this is what I'm going to do. Today we're going to have all I have of my interview with Kate Flannery, but you're going to hear it now. Here's me talking to the wonderfully funny, charming, 
just she's such a sweet, sweet person. Uh, me and Kate Flannery talking about her work as Meredith Palmer on The Office. Let's get into The Office. How did, how did you land that? Tell me about the process, the audition process. I want to know every step. I initially went in uh, for Allison Jones casting for the part of Jan, for okay. the pilot. Uh, obviously they went a different way. Yes. Uh, Melora Harden is, uh, yeah, a totally different vibe. She said to me though, I think you're really good for the show. And then I'm, I think, um, they did shoot the pilot. I was not in the pilot. That was in February. And then in August, right before Labor Day, they said they want you. And I said, I've got a ticket to Chicago tomorrow and I'm not going to change. So I got back Tuesday after Labor Day. They still hadn't found the person. So I got called in again. It's pretty later. gutsy for you to turn down something well, because you're going to take a trip to Chicago. I guess so, but my aunt had given me a ticket to check out Second City. I felt no, I'm, no, but I wanted to see her. And I, I at the time, I, I didn't know, I didn't know that it was going to be. Well, I guess that's true. I just didn't it's just know. Another show, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and also the way that it was couched was that you know it's not like these characters were super fleshed out on our level. Like it's not like they had a contract waiting for us. We were technically guest stars for the first season and then they didn't make us regulars until the second season, even though we were there every day, all day. Right, right, right. But, um, you know, so I, I didn't really know what I was passing up. And I remember seeing a few actresses from second city and from Chicago. And I thought, Oh my God, I'm not going to get this. And I remember going in and then, um, Allison Jones told me, they said no makeup. And that, that wasn't like lip gloss and mascara. It was no makeup. They wanted nothing. And they just wanted it super deadpan. So, now, this was for Meredith? They already had yeah. it, like, the character in mind? Uh, sort of, yeah. I had a different name, but they weren't sure um, exactly. Yeah, I, All I knew was that I was lactose intolerant. You know, <laughs> that's, that's the only yeah, thing they that gave was you? All, that was all I had to... They, I, I don't even know if they had decided that she was going to be a drunk and a floozy. Uh, I think I think my personal my personality <laughs> helped in that. No, I don't know. Um, but you I, brought that to the I, role. I, maybe. But I, mean, I did not have a cell phone. This was back in uh, 2004... And I drove home. Allison Jones called me. But the minute I got home, I answered the door. And she said, come back to Goward. They want you to do it one more time, which was a different location. Come and do it. And then I did it again. And then by the t- by, I think by 7 o'clock that night, I found out I got it. Was it Im- all improvised? No, it was not. It was, no, it, was it was scripted. Off the script. It was scripted. Wow. No, we, uh, we, didn't, we never had long bouts of improv on the show. Steve would improvise after a few takes. And, and I kind of learned how to improvise within the confines. Like you didn't... If you even if you had a good idea, if you if you weren't if your character wasn't talking, then you didn't improvise. Right. Or if you if you didn't if it wasn't because it was I, just too much to manage. I, right. I can imagine for the with that sound many and, the, and the documentary cameras. It was it was too weird, and um, so it was a learning curve for sure. But I I would learn like oh you improvise within the line that you speak, and you know so I've actually like gotten to t- I'd teach a few workshops on it because I feel like it's very baffling and you know for a lot of people and yeah. I feel like I learned the hard way. Anyway, so we, we shot the first five episodes and um, had a waiting period. And then I, I, I gave my notice to Kate Manalini in, in July of uh, 2005. And my boss said, we were going to get you a cake, but you'll be back. <laughs> oh, no. Because <laughs> everybody was like, screw you, man. I'm out of here. And then they would be back a year later. It was, it was kind of that's what it was. Yeah. So, yeah. And then I, you know. Was, and then I remember every time I went back to that restaurant to eat, everyone who was super mean to me, customers, they all wanted me to sit with them. I'm like, you, and it's and it's not like I wanted to flip them off and go. You know, I I wasn't into a victory lap, right? But I was like, you treated me like gum on your shoe. I'm not gonna sit with you. Yeah. No. No. That ship has sailed. <laughs> yes. I don't uh, need your love. It seemed to me watching the show from the outside looking in that Meredith her role got expanded as things went along. Is that just the nature of? 
a show like that where they start looking around and saying, we need to add some sort of fresh elements to the show. What, what other characters can we draw on? I think that's, you know, because really, I, I mean, I had a, a bunch in season two that got cut. I remember feeling like, oh my, I remember my family would see it before I would because they're, you know, in Philly three hours ahead. And right. they'd be like, you barely talked. I'm like, what? And I find, that's how I found out that my storylines got cut. Because there was a whole Halloween episode that Paul Feig had directed, and that was when you were supposed to find out that Meredith was an alcoholic. Right. I was dressed like a witch. You barely saw me in the episode. I just passed the camera, swiped once. I had, like, brains coming out of my head. It was crazy. <laughs> like, two hours. In, in, anyway, but um, uh, I think... Um, I think, you know, and the network would give notes and they, you know, would say too, too negative or too dark or whatever, oh. or more Steve or something like that. Mm. So I, I wasn't really sure. I was really holding my breath and I thought I'm still here every day, but I don't know. I mean, maybe they just, I don't know. I just didn't know what the process was, but you know, luckily I, I, I had a lot of therapy at the time because I thought I didn't want to bring my baggage to the set because everyone's just working it out themselves too. And I feel like sometimes if you're too loud and and pushy especially in a process with somebody like with greg daniels i i just i didn't i just didn't think it would serve me mm -hmm. and i stopped counting my lines and i just noticed that i would get a laugh even if i didn't talk or there'd be like a moment that was created and i feel like the waiting process was just it was like just a leap of faith and then when i did have something to do it was so worth the wait. Right. So season four, we started with me getting hit by the car. <laughs> right. And I like, I got on the tonight show because of that. It was like, I, I that was like my first, that was the first thing that really popped. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that just came from being a good soldier and showing up every day and I doing your so. job. I think, I think that was part of it, but also it was just a lovely, smart move to think that that's kind of how life is. When you work at a job for a long time, you don't get to know everyone right away. There are drips and drives where you barely know someone, even though you've been working with them for three years. And then all of a sudden, you know, their whole life story, right? You know how that goes? Like, yeah, you sure. know, yeah. suddenly they move your desk or you have something, a project you have to do together and you find out, Oh, that guy's not an asshole. He just, uh, you know, he just has social issues. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah, there's yeah. a whole thing. So I just loved how that was it just... It was very organic for the show. It was. Yeah. It was. And I, I think um, it just became such a gift. And I met my boyfriend between us at that... Well, um, I met him a little bit during season one. And at the end of season two, he came to Lampshades and then he asked me out afterwards. Uh -huh. So we had a showmance. <laughs> and, uh, yes. And he would always set himself up at the um, in the fake men's room off the kitchen. He's an NBC photographer. He's yes. been NBC forever. And the first time I did The Tonight Show, he was filling in for the photographer there. And I was filling in for Joaquin Phoenix. So they actually like told the story about how we were dating and put the camera on him. And you know, it was back in the old, the old Leno days. And he actually shot my headshots at he one did. point, he too. He did. He did before of, you knew You knew him before I did. Yes. One of my early set of headshots. Chris that is was responsible so crazy. for that. I had to go to NBC and he shot me there. Oh, my God. That's yeah, so sexy. Oh, my God. I love it. <laughs> See? That's so awesome. I mean, it's such a weird... And then, and you were also at my dad's bar drinking yes. in college, which we is so crazy. We just danced around days. each other we for did. years before we ever met. It's kind of crazy. I have this with a few people. It's so weird. Yeah. I mean, it's just... But it also, again, it's not unlike Meredith, where like things just kind of... Your life, you roll... You just do your thing. And then if you notice the patterns... I don't know. I, I feel like I'm, I'm a pretty positive person. And even though I, you know, there's been long waits and kicks, I feel like... It's it's a really great. I mean, show business is fantastic because I know the best people yeah, because of show business. It's true. I've had such joy because of show business. There's no people heartache. like show people. That's what I found. <laughs> I, like I, no people I know. It's, really. it's, it's no, you're right. Everything is about is appealing. No, not, actually, nothing. Actually, not everything about it is appealing. No, the business itself is not great, but yeah. the people in it, for the most part, are, are right. really and really the relationships. Fun. I mean, yeah. I'm still friends with people from Second City. I still see Nia, and there's, I mean, there's a few people like Susan Nakamura, and I were hired the same. 
same day. She was on Dr. Ken. She's been in a million things. Did Steve remember you from Chicago he when you did. guys started working he together did. again? He did. That's awesome. Yeah. It was that must have been a great group of people, speaking of people in show business, amazing. to be around every day. Amazing. And to have a place to sit on a set. I'm serious. That's a huge thing. Yeah. Because when you start to do scenes every day, I mean, it gets weird. It, it was so great to just have a place to be on every level. Yeah. And Steve was just so focused on the show, not on himself. He never held court. He never held anybody hostage. Just a great, just a great energy because everybody, no one could act out because of that. If mm-hmm. he's, he was kind of holding the fort down in that right. respect. Uh, what happened when he left? Was the energy uh, different on the set? I mean, I think it was a little tricky with James uh, Spader. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just a little tricky. He's not a comedy guy, right. and I was, I remember feeling like. They're hitting the baby. He's got the baby. He's holding the baby. Don't drop the baby. Don't drop the baby. And it's not that I didn't trust everybody. I mean, and he's an amazing actor. Sure, Don't get me wrong. Sure. But I just, it was just different. And I, I, uh, I feel. New is hard. Regardless. It is. It is. Yeah. It is. And, uh, and then, you know, um, uh, Greg uh, Daniels ended up coming back the last year. And right. I felt like he just lovely he was just he he was it was just a labor of love to tie everything up in a lovely bow and i remember brian cranston was directing the episode the day we found out that this was going to be our last year mm, wow uh and we were working like on work we were literally on a bus all day long for the whole week and i thought wow this is a t- we're all like three inches from each other all day crazy crazy and uh i don't know it was but it was uh uh i mean i know ever all good things must end but yeah. i feel like um i'm i'm still really proud of everything about the experience and how often can you say that <laughs> oh almost never um there is talk i'm sure you know this more than most about bringing it back again there for is a reboot a uh i don't know a, a continuation and some are saying right. of the original show yeah. which is which it, it seems soon yeah it, but it, right, I, that's right. network television it seems like they're trying now to bring back it's so funny we started talking about the brady bunch and how you know that that familial element uh, that that Knowing his stuff so well is so comforting when you watch television. I think the networks are sort of discovering that again, yes. that people are responding to stuff that they knew from before. Rather than take a risk on something new, they'll bring back something that people already Absolutely. Enjoyed. Well, my boyfriend, uh, our third date, he took me to the rap party, the series rap party for Will and Grace. Wow. And that was almost 12 years ago. And uh, I, I remember feeling like it was at a, at a funeral. And then, don't you know, 11 years later, he's back on the show, as is most of the whole crew and Jim Burroughs. I'm right. crazy. And I, I mean, and kind of back, like, they, they didn't even miss a beat, which is fantastic. I don't know if that's the journey of The Office. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I feel like Steve is, you know, Steve's been nominated for an Academy Award. Yeah, he's, he's not, he's, he's not coming back. Let's face you know, it. No, I mean, and, and I understand. He's, he's, he has, he is so talented. I, I really, I learned so much from him. He would have five ideas for every, ta- five great ideas for every take. I mean, he's like really, I mean, very few people are wired like this man. He's yes. like really just a gem. And I think he's going to win an Academy Award before he does the office again. Yeah, without him, it's, it kind of makes no sense, right? I, yeah, I don't know. And then I heard about like, maybe it would be half a cast. And I was like, well, which half? It's like high school with money. Am I going to get picked <laughs> on a team? <laughs> you know, I'm crazy. Have the, has anyone talked to you? Have the, any no, nobody, you nobody, no? no, nobody knows anything that I know of. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and, and um I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a weird thing. I can understand why it is an attractive um, idea for NBC because they figure, well, it's an office. You know, we put funny people on a set in sure. an office, and we turn on the cameras, and hilarity will ensue. They don't. Sure. They probably don't recognize that the 
the just the right chemistry and combination right. of minds that had to come together to make that show the phenomenon that it was. Absolutely. And yeah. if you can't do it as well, you're just going to end up you. sort of tarnishing the memory that I we think, have of the I original project. I think so, project, yeah. And, right? you know, we had so many great directors. We had so many movie directors. J.J. Abrams directed an episode. Um, uh, Harold Ramis directed a few. Yeah, everybody wanted to work um, on that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm cr- crazy. I, I'm, I'm Josh, uh, Josh Whedon from... Um, um, Buffy and, of course, um, oh, my God. Uh, uh, the Avengers. Yeah, Avengers. Uh, Joss Whedon, oh, yeah. yeah. That old yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, then you, you're doing voiceover these days? Animation? I am on a cartoon, okay, uh, cartoon network, OKKO. OK and uh, I've been touring with Jane Lynch for the last three and a half years during our live uh, show. We did a Christmas album. Uh, we sing with a five-piece band. You guys and, have been uh, friends in Chicago, right? We have, yeah. yeah. I was her understudying the Brady Bunch. Um, uh, and then um, I'm also doing a new show. I just uh, did a se- one season of a new Hulu show called All Night. I think it's going to start uh, airing uh, or streaming in May or maybe this summer. But it's about a high school and I play the principal. And it's a it's like a lock-in where the, it's their graduation day, so they're grad night, so they're all stuck in. So the whole season is one night. So I couldn't gain an ounce of weight. I had to constantly have my hair trimmed. It was exhausting. <laughs> I can imagine, sweetheart. It was fun, though. Yeah, you should be working. Well, you are working all the time, but you should be because you are seriously. You know, talk about Carell. You are the fu- one of the funniest people I know. Uh, well, always I, my ability is so much less than him. But thank you very much. No, I'm, but- I'm, I'm, I, I stick in my lane. I'm, I know my lane. I stand. You work your ass off, and your your endless energy is always uh, welcome on every project that I see you in. And we don't get together nearly enough. But seeing you. When I do all over my television, always uh, makes me smile. So. Yeah, I also and seeing you at Comic Con in San Diego that this was past so summer crazy. That was so great. We hadn't seen each other in a while. Like how, how showbiz. I'll see you at Comic Con, dear. You were inside on the party. I was on the outside, <laughs> and I'm calling you and saying, "Can you get me into the party?" Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's showbiz, and and uh, hopefully you'll return the favor someday. Well, you never know. Yes, yes, yeah, you well. yes. I'm so excited that you're doing this podcast, and I feel like your fans are so excited. And uh, you know, I just um, I don't know. I feel like the work that you've done has is just uh, it's it's really become the fabric of of LA and I'm, and I just hope it just gets bigger and bigger and oh, bigger. You thanks, know? Kate. Really, yeah. You're such a big part of everyone's day for so many years it, in a way that you probably are not even aware of a little bit, but not really. You well, know? you're kind of busy doing it every day. That's yeah. the thing. And sometimes your head's down and, and you don't really recognize until uh, I lost the job last year. And, and then when I put my head up, everybody's like, wow, we really liked what you did. So I was like, okay, let's try this for a while and see if this works. I was going to say, and I have a feeling all these transitions are just going to be a blip on your, you know, because of course it's emotional and scary when you go through them. Uh, unless you do a lot of drugs, um, but uh, <laughs> which, which is, trust is very tempting, by yeah, the way. I'm sure, yeah. Right? Lately, I've yeah. been looking. There's an opioid crisis for a reason, everybody. <laughs> the world is nuts. We're all self-medicating. <laughs> well, Kate brought me a lovely bottle of Jack Daniel's Rye, there so I go. think I'm going to self-medicate myself right now that we're done with this interview. Thank you so much for stopping wow, thank by. Thank you so much. Thanks. You're and, the best. And the next get together will be social without microphones in our faces. Absolutely, and I'll tweet all about it on my way to the restaurant so everyone can join us. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Kate. <laughs> Bye, Ralph. Thanks. I truly apologize because that whole conversation was great and you really would have enjoyed listening to her. And I'm sorry that I, uh, I fucked up. But here's what she said she'll do. She's going to come back and we're going uh, to redo that conversation. We're going to talk all over again about all those important areas. Not the office. I think we covered that. But all the other stuff that I think you'd really be interested in hearing. She will come back. So she will be a guest at some later date here on the Ralph Report. Meanwhile, a great week ahead of us here on the Ralph Report. Sex University, of course, coming up this week. We're going to be talking about a topic that a lot of people don't know much about, 
or if they do, they're confused, and rightly so. Uh, in the world of personal finance, about your credit. What does your credit rating mean? How do you how do you get it up? I think you want it up. You don't want it down. If it's down, that's bad, right? Uh, how how can you fix it? I mean, we've all got uh, those credit cards in college at the at the student union building, and just often maxed them out before we even had jobs. We were in credit trouble. We're going to talk about this week. We're also going to talk about the evils of addiction. With this uh, Tommy Lee story being in the news every day, we're talking to our mental health expert, our therapist in residency here at the Ralph Report, Dr. Sarah, is going to talk about addiction and a ton of other really fun stuff coming up this week. Of course, all the showbiz news and all the other madness, but I think you're going to enjoy yourself. So if you happen to be listening for free this week, do yourself a favor, go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T, R-E-O-N dot com slash The Ralph Report and subscribe so you can hear the rest of the week. And for those of you who are already subscribers, thank you so much for the support. I truly appreciate it. I will talk to you tomorrow. I love you. I mean it. Bye.